Section 19 of Lives of the Saints with Reflections for Every Day of the Year by Reverend Albin Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. September 16th. St. Cyprian, Bishop, Martyr. Cyprian was an African of noble birth, but of evil life, a pagan and a teacher of rhetoric. In middle life he was converted to Christianity and shortly after his baptism was ordained priest and made bishop of Carthage, notwithstanding his resistance. When the persecution of Decius broke out, he fled from his episcopal city that he might be the better able to minister to the wants of his flock, but returned on occasion of a pestilence. Later on he was banished, and saw in a vision his future martyrdom. Being recalled from exile, sentence of death was pronounced against him, which he received with the words, Thanks be to God. His great desire was to die whilst in the act of preaching the faith of Christ, and he had the consolation of being surrounded at his martyrdom by crowds of his faithful children. He was beheaded on the 14th of September, 258, and was buried with great solemnity. Even the pagans respected his memory. Reflection The duty of almsgiving is declared both by nature and revelation. By nature because it flows from the principle imprinted within us of doing to others as we would they should do to us. By revelation, in many special commands of scripture, and in the precept of divine charity, which binds us to love God for his own sake, and for our neighbor for the sake of God. September 17th, St. Lambert, Bishop, Martyr. St. Lambert was a native of Maastricht. His father entrusted his education to the holy bishop St. Theodard, and on that good man being assassinated, Lambert was chosen his successor. A revolution breaking out which overturned the kingdom of Austrasia, our saint was banished from his see on account of his devotion to his sovereign. He retired to the monastery of Stavolo, and there obeyed the rule as strictly as the youngest novice could have done. One instance will suffice to show, with how perfect a sacrifice of himself, he devoted his heart to serve God. As he was rising one night in winter to his private devotions, he happened to let fall his wooden sandal or slipper. The abbot, without asking who had caused the noise, gave orders that the offender should go and pray before the cross, which stood before the church door. Lambert, without making any answer, went out as he was barefoot, and covered only with his hair shirt, and in this condition he prayed, kneeling before the cross, where he was found some hours later. At the sight of the holy bishop, the abbot and the monks fell on the ground and asked his pardon. God forgives you, said he, for thinking you stand in need of pardon for this action. As for myself, is it not in cold and nakedness that, according to St. Paul, I am to tame my flesh and to serve God? His zeal in suppressing the many and notorious disorders which existed in his diocese led to his assassination on the 17th of September, 709. Reflection How noble and heroic is this virtue of fortitude! How necessary for every Christian, especially for a pastor of souls, that neither worldly views nor fears may ever in the least warp his integrity or blind his judgment. September 18th, St. Thomas of Villanova St. Thomas, the glory of the Spanish church in the 16th century, was born in 1488. A thirst for the science of the saints led him to enter the house of the Austin friars at Salamanca. Charles V listened to him as an oracle and appointed him Archbishop of Valencia. 
On being led to his throne in church, he pushed the silken cushions aside and with tears kissed the ground. His first visit was to the prison. The sum with which the chapter presented him for his palace was devoted to the public hospital. As a child he had given his meal to the poor, and two-thirds of his episcopal revenues were now annually spent in alms. He daily fed five hundred needy persons, brought up himself the orphans of the city, and sheltered the neglected foundlings with a mother's care. During his eleven-year episcopate, not one poor maiden was married without an alms from the saint. Spurred by his example, the rich and the selfish became liberal and generous. And when, on the Nativity of Our Lady, 1555, St. Thomas came to die, he was well-nigh the only poor man in his see. Reflection Answer me, O sinner, St. Thomas would say, what can you purchase with your money, better or more necessary than the redemption of your sins? September 19th, St. Januarius, Martyr Many centuries ago, St. Januarius died for the faith in the persecution of Diocletian, and to this day God confirms the faith of his church and works a continual miracle. Through the blood which Januarius shed for him, the saint was bishop of Beneventum, and on one occasion he traveled to Mycenae in order to visit a deacon named Sosius. During this visit, Januarius saw the head of Sosius, who was singing the gospel in the church, girt with flames, and took this for a sign that ere long Sosius would wear the crown of martyrdom. So it proved. Shortly after Sosius was arrested and thrown into prison, there St. Januarius visited and encouraged him, till the bishop also was arrested in turn. Soon the number of confessors were swollen by some of the neighboring clergy. They were exposed to the wild beast in the amphitheater. The beast, however, did them no harm, and at last the governor of Capania ordered the saints to be beheaded. Little did the heathen governor think that he was the instrument in God's hand of ushering in the long succession of miracles which attest the faith of Januarius. The relics of St. Januarius rest in the Cathedral of Naples, and it is there that the liquefaction of his blood occurs. The blood is congealed in two glass vials, but when it is brought near the martyr's head, it melts and flows like the blood of a living man. Reflection Thank God who has given you superabundant motives for your faith, and pray for the spirit of the first Christians, the spirit which exalts and rejoices in belief. September 20th St. Eustatius and Companions, Martyrs Eustatius, called Placidus before his conversion, was a distinguished officer in the Roman army under the Emperor Trajan. One day, whilst hunting a deer, he suddenly perceived between the horns of the animal the image of our crucified Saviour. Responsive to what he considered a voice from heaven, he lost not a moment in becoming a Christian. In a short time he lost all his possessions and his position, and his wife and children were taken from him. Reduced to the most abject poverty, he took service with a rich landowner to tend his fields. In the meantime, the empire suffered greatly from the ravages of barbarians. Trajan sought out our saint and placed him in command of the troops sent against the enemy. During this campaign, he found his wife and children, whom he despaired of ever seeing again. Returning home victorious, he was received in triumph and loaded with honors, but the emperor having commanded him to sacrifice to the false gods, he refused. Infuriated at this, Trajan ordered Eustatius with his wife and children to be exposed to two starved lions. 
but instead of harming these faithful servants of God, the beast merely frisked and frolicked about them. The emperor, grown more furious at this, caused the martyrs to be shut up inside a brazen bowl, under which a fire was kindled, and in this horrible manner they were roasted to death. Reflection. It is not enough to encounter dangers with resolution. We must with equal courage and constancy vanquish pleasure and the softer passions, or we possess not the virtue of true fortitude. September 21st, St. Matthew, Apostle. One day, as our Lord was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw, sitting at the receipt of custom, Matthew, the publican, whose business it was to collect the taxes from the people for their Roman masters. Jesus said to him, Follow me. And leaving all, Matthew arose and followed him. Now the publicans were abhorred by the Jews as enemy of their country, outcasts and notorious sinners, who enriched themselves by extortion and fraud. No Pharisee would sit with one at table. Our Savior alone had compassion for them. So St. Matthew made a great feast to which he invited Jesus and his disciples, with a number of these publicans, who henceforth began eagerly to listen to him. It was then, in answer to the murmurs of the Pharisees, that he said, They that are in health need not the physician. I have not come to call the just, but sinners to penance. After the ascension, St. Matthew remained some years in Judea, and there wrote his gospel to teach his countrymen that Jesus was their true Lord and King, foretold by the prophets. St. Matthew afterward preached the faith far and wide, and is said to have finished his course in Parthia. Reflection Obey all inspirations of our Lord, as promptly as St. Matthew, who at a single word laid down, says St. Bridget, the heavy burden of the world, to put on the light and sweet yoke of Christ. September 22nd, The Theban Legion The Theban Legion numbered more than 6,000 men. They marched from the east into Gaul, and proved their loyalty at once to their emperor and to their god. They were encamped near the Lake of Geneva, under the Emperor Maximian, when they got orders to turn their swords against the Christian population, and refused to obey. In his fury, Maximian ordered them to be decimated. The order was executed once and again, but they endured this without a murmur or an effort to defend themselves. St. Maurice, the chief captain in this legion of martyrs, encouraged the rest to persevere and followed their comrades to heaven. No, O Emperor, he said, that we are your soldiers, but we are servants also of the true God. In all things lawful we will most readily obey, but we cannot stain our hands in this innocent blood. We have seen our comrades slain, and we rejoice at their honor. We have arms, but we resist not, for we had rather die without shame than live by sin. As the massacre began, these generous soldiers flung down their arms, offered their necks to the sword, and suffered themselves to be butchered in silence. Reflection Thank God for every slight and injury you have to bear. An injury born in meekness and silence is a true victory. It is the proof that we are good soldiers of Jesus Christ, disciples of that heavenly wisdom, which is first pure and peaceable. September 23rd, St. Tecla, Virgin Martyr St. Tecla is one of the most ancient, as she is one of the most illustrious saints in the calendar of the Church. It was at Iconium that St. Paul met St. Tecla and kindled the love of virginity in her heart. She had been promised in marriage to a young man who was rich and generous, but at the Apostle's word 
she died to the thought of earthly espousals. She forgot her beauty, she was deaf to her parents' threats, and at the first opportunity she fled from the luxurious home and followed St. Paul. The rage of her parents and of her intended spouse followed hard upon her, and the Roman power did its worst against the Virgin, whom Christ had chosen for his own. She was stripped and placed in the public theater, but her innocence shrouded her like a garment. Then the lions were let loose against her. They fell crouching at her feet, and licked them as if in veneration. Even fire could not harm her. Torment after torment was inflicted upon her without effort, till at last her spouse spoke the word and called her to himself, with a double crown of virginity and martyrdom on her head. Reflection It is purity in soul and body which will make you strong in pain, in temptation and in the hour of death. Imitate the purity of this glorious virgin, and take her for your special patroness in your last agony. September 24th, The Blessed Virgin Mary of Mercy St. Peter, of the noble family of Nalasco, was born in Languedoc, about 1189. At the age of twenty-five he took a vow of chastity, and made over his vast estates to the church. Some time after, he conceived the idea of establishing an order for the redemption of captives. The divine will was soon manifested. The Blessed Virgin appeared on the same night to Peter, to Raymond of Penafort, his confessor, and to James, king of Aragon, his ward, and bade them prosecute without fear their holy designs. After great opposition, the order was solemnly established and approved by Gregory the Ninth under the name of Our Lady of Mercy. By the grace of God, and under the protection of his virgin mother, the order spread rapidly, its growth being increased by the charity and piety of its members, who devoted themselves not only to collecting alms for the ransom of the Christians, but even gave themselves up to voluntary slavery to aid the good work. It is to return thanks to God and the Blessed Virgin that a feast was instituted which was observed in the Order of Mercy, then in Spain and France, and at last extended to the whole church by Innocent the Twelfth, in the 24th September, named as the day on which it is to be observed. Reflection St. Peter and Alasco and his knights were laymen, not priests, and yet they considered the salvation of their neighbor entrusted to them. We can each of us by counsel, by prayer, but above all by holy example, assist the salvation of our brethren, and thus secure our own. September 25th, St. Fermin, Bishop, Martyr, St. Fimbar, Bishop. St. Fermin was a native of Papalone in Navarre, initiated in the Christian faith by Honestus, a disciple of St. Saturninus of Toulouse, and consecrated bishop by St. Honoratus, successor to St. Saturninus, in order to preach the gospel in the remoter parts of Gaul. He preached the faith in the countries of Agen, Anjou, and Buvese, and being arrived at Amiens, there chose his residence, and founded there a numerous church of faithful disciples. He received the crown of martyrdom in that city, whether under the prefect Rixius Varus, or in some other persecution from Decius in 250 to Diocletian in 303, is uncertain. St. Fembar, who lived in the 6th century, was a native of Connaught, and instituted a monastery or school at Lao Ayr, to which such numbers of disciples flocked, as changed, as it were, a desert into a large city. This was the origin of the city of Cork, which was built chiefly upon stakes and marshy little islands formed by the river Lea. The right name of our saint, under which he was baptized, was Lochain, the surname Finbar, or Bar the White, 
was afterward given him. He was Bishop of Cork seventeen years, and died in the midst of his friends at Cloyne, fifteen miles from Cork. His body was buried in his own cathedral at Cork, and his relics some years after were put in a silver shrine and kept there, this great church bearing his name to this day. St. Fenbar's cave or hermitage was shown in a monastery which seems to have been begun by our saint and stood to the west of Cork. September 26, St. Cyprian and Justina Martyrs The detestable superstition of St. Cyprian's idolatrous parents devoted him from his infancy to the devil, and he was brought up in all the impious mysteries of idolatry, astrology, and the black art. When Cyprian had learned all the extravagances of these schools of error and delusion, he hesitated at no crimes, blasphemed Christ, and committed secret murders. There lived at Antioch a young Christian lady called Justina, of high birth and great beauty. A pagan nobleman fell deeply in love with her, and finding her modesty inaccessible and her resolution invincible, he applied to Cyprian for assistance. Cyprian, no less smitten with the lady, tried every secret with which he was acquainted to conquer her resolution. Justina, perceiving herself vigorously attacked, studied to arm herself by prayer, watchfulness, and mortification against all his artifices, and the power of his spells. Cyprian, finding himself worsted by a superior power, began to consider the weakness of the infernal spirits, and resolved to quit their service and become a Christian. A gladius, who had been the first suitor to the Holy Virgin, was likewise converted and baptized. The persecution of Diocletian breaking out, Cyprian and Justina were seized, and presented to the same judge. She was inhumanely scourged, and Cyprian was torn with iron hooks. After this they were both sent in chains to Diocletian, who commanded their heads to be struck off, which sentence was executed. Reflection If the errors and disorders of St. Cyprian show the degeneracy of human nature, corrupted by sin and enslaved to vice, his conversion displays the power of grace and virtue to repair it. Let us beg of God to send us grace to resist temptation, and to do his holy will in all things. September 27th, Saints Cosmas and Damian Martyrs Saints Cosmas and Damian were brothers, and born in Arabia, but studied the sciences in Syria, and became eminent for their skill in physic. Being Christians and full of that holy temper of charity in which the spirit of our divine religion consists, they practiced their profession with great application and wonderful success, but never took any fee. They were loved and respected by the people on account of the good offices received from their charity and for their zeal for the Christian faith, which they took every opportunity to propagate. When the persecution of Diocletian began to rage, it was impossible for persons of so distinguished a character to lie concealed. They were therefore apprehended by the order of Lysias, governor of Cilicia, and after various torments were bound hand and foot and thrown into the sea. Reflection We may sanctify our labor by industry, if actuated by the motive of charity toward others, even whilst we fulfill the obligation we owe to ourselves and our families of procuring an honest and necessary subsistence, which of itself is no less noble a virtue if founded in motives equally pure and perfect. September 28th, St. Wenceslas, Martyr Wenceslas was the son of a Christian Duke of Bohemia, but his mother was a hard and cruel pagan. Through the care of his holy grandmother, Ludmilla, herself a martyr, Wenceslas was educated in the true faith, and imbibed a special devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. On the death of his father, his mother, Drahomia, usurped the government and passed a series of persecuting laws. 
in the interests of the faith wenceslas claimed and obtained through the support of the people a large portion of the country as his own kingdom his mother secured the apostasy and alliance of her second son Boleslas, who became henceforth her ally against the christians wenceslas meanwhile ruled as a brave and pious king provided for all the needs of his people and when his kingdom was attacked overcame in single combat by the sign of the cross the leader of an invading army in the service of god he was most constant and planted with his own hand the wheat and grapes for the holy mass at which he never failed daily to assist his piety was the occasion of his death once after a banquet at his brother's palace to which he had been treacherously invited he went as was his wont at night to pray before the tabernacle there at midnight on the feast of the angels nine thirty eight he received his crown of martyrdom his brother dealing him the death blow reflection st wenceslas teaches us that the safest place to meet the trials of life or to prepare for the stroke of death is before jesus in the blessed sacrament september twenty ninth st michael archangel Michael, or who is like to god such was the cry of the great archangel when he smote the rebel lucifer in the conflict of the heavenly host and from that hour he has been known as michael the captain of the armies of god the type of divine fortitude the champion of every faithful soul in strife with the powers of evil thus he appears in holy scripture as the guardian of the children of israel their comfort and protector in times of sorrow or conflict he it is who prepares for their return from the persian captivity who leads the valiant maccabees to victory and who rescues the body of moses from an envious grasp of the evil one and since christ's coming the church has ever venerated st michael as her special patron and protector she invokes him by name in her confession of sin summons him to the side of her children in the agony of death and chooses him as their escort from the chastening flames of purgatory to the realms of holy light lastly when antichrist shall have set up his kingdom on earth it is michael who will unfurl once more the standard of the cross sound the last trumpet and binding together the false prophet and the beast hurl them for all eternity into the burning pole reflection whenever says saint bernard any grievous temptation or vehement sorrow oppresses thee invoke thy guardian thy leader cry out to him and say lord save us lest we perish september thirtieth saint jerome doctor saint jerome born in dalmatia in three twenty nine was sent to school at rome his boyhood was not free from fault his thirst for knowledge was excessive and his love of books a passion he had studied under the best masters visited foreign cities and devoted himself to the pursuit of science but christ had need of his strong will and active intellect for the service of his church st jerome felt and obeyed the call made a vow of celibacy fled from rome to the wild syrian desert and there for four years learnt in solitude penance and prayer a new lesson of divine wisdom this was his novitiate the pope soon summoned him to rome and there put upon the now famous hebrew scholar the task of revising the latin bible which was to be his noblest work retiring thence to his beloved bethlehem the eloquent hermit poured forth from his solitary cell for thirty years a stream of luminous writings upon the christian world reflection to know says st basil how to submit thyself with thy whole soul is to know how to imitate christ
End of section 19. Recording by Maria Therese.